Hey, welcome to episode one of our podcast series. I'm here today with Glenn Sullivan and Adam Casella, co-founders of SnapRoute. I'm Steve Deitch. I'm the chief revenue officer at SnapRoute. And we're going to spend the next 15, 20 minutes talking about networking. In particular, why hasn't disaggregated or white box networking caught on? Um, but before we get going, let me just uh, have Adam and Glenn give you a little background on their extremely interesting backgrounds. Hi, guys. How are you doing? I'm uh, Adam Casella, CTO and co-founder of SnapRoute, and I'm also here with uh, Glenn Sullivan as well. Hello. Cool. So our background is kind of interesting. We, we don't come from your traditional places that people who go ahead and found a company. Uh, we were both operators in our previous life. We spent uh, time at Apple running their externally facing uh, applications. So if you think of iTunes, iCloud, Siri, Maps, uh, and those of that ilk, Glenn and I were the ones running the network uh, behind that, both building and operating those particular uh, app networks for those applications. That's right. And, and it's more of, a, of an ability to want to you know, start a company to build a product that's really, you know, for for the lack of a, of a better term, you know, for operators by operators, right? Like we we saw in disaggregated networking, there was a lot of folks that were spinning out of the traditional OEMs or people with vast backgrounds from you know your your likes of Cisco, Juniper, Arista, and crew, and they really started a company to build a product because they couldn't do what they wanted to do product wise inside of the traditional OEM vendor, right? And so they were kind of they they were sort of starting a company with an axe to grind, and uh, you know that that makes some decent products, but it, what it, what it doesn't do is it doesn't bake in that operational experience uh, of being you know woken up at three in the morning, blurry eyed, looking at the screen, trying to figure out, hey, what what information do I need to isolate the problem? How am I going to troubleshoot this outage? You know, how am I going to keep from losing my job because I got to get the thing back online? And, and that's really what we wanted to focus on was the you know the tools that you would need and the visibility that you would need to, uh, you know, enable you as a network engineer or a network operator to, to run a network at scale without having to, you know, worry about all the other things that somebody worries about when they're normally building a product. Yeah. And that's a, that's a very good point, Glenn. I mean, we have a unique experience set that we have run everything from, you know, traditional OEM equipment from the, the big vendors to running things that are bespoke and hand built to, you know, white box centric uh, networking from some well-known providers of software for that end and hardware. So we have an experience set that I don't think you find too often in folks that who have decided to build a product to uh, take that position and, and, you know, make it grow from the perspective of the operator. And that was the really cool thing about Apple, right? Like you and I were there, um, you know, we started there in 2011, right? So, you know, your first week, I think there was the week that iCloud launched. Oh, that was a nightmare. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I was on call that week. It was pretty bad. Um, my pager wouldn't stop going off because somebody was on stage and they said, you know, this thing that used to cost money when in the form of a mobile me and now it's not, you know, now it's free. And when it went from being a paid application to a free application set and service that really, you know, increased the number of users that we had overnight. And, um, you know, we, we got to see a really unique scale issue. Yeah, we're, we're, I got to learn right. that, that sleep didn't, didn't, wasn't required on a network. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so, so and, the, and the fun thing about that, too, is, is, you know, during those few years between, you know, t- 2011 and, and 2015 when we left to found SnapRoute, 
we got to see the difference between, as you said, you know, the bespoke artisanal networks versus building things at scale, cookie cutter. Like we had to really go through that transition. We like literally lived through the transition of Apple going from a build a network when you need an application to build infrastructure for infrastructure's sake. Where, where the network became a tool for the application to leverage rather than something that was bespoke and, pen, and hand chiseled for that application on you know a requirement requirement basis, which doesn't scale. Uh, as well as going from these large L2 domains that were terribly hard to manage to things that were very much L3 top rack centric, very easy to scale and be you know, ubiquitous across from one side to the other, and behoove themselves to make tighter integration between what the app needed and what the network could provide. Right. I mean, I think I, I think I felt it. There, when we, we, we got to the point where we stopped asking what the network was for, right? It was like, no, we just need a network of this size, or we just need this many racks, or we just need to, to deploy, you know, this much infrastructure. Um, the less we had to ask questions about, you know, the bandwidth needs and the requirements of, of uh, you know, all the different components going into that little network that we were building, that's when we knew that we were starting to do things in a, in a scalable way. Right, right. right. So... Let me uh, let me prompt you guys, and let's let's get into the whole idea of uh, ultimately why disaggregated networking really hasn't caught on, with probably the exception of the hyperscaler providers. So, we're seeing in the marketplace today, and I'm sure everybody out there seeing it, the whole idea that companies are accelerating their IT transformation efforts, and they're taking advantage of the agility, the efficiency, the affordability, and, and the overall improvements uh, in software, compute, and storage. But remarkably, networking remains somewhat resistant to change. It's static, it's inflexible in many cases, and it's still pretty expensive. Um, why is this happening? Or, or why are people tolerating it? it it's, it's, it's kind of interesting to just sit back and say, there's been so much improvement from a performance and from a price perspective in the other IT infrastructure elements, but what's what the heck is wrong with networking? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of pieces there to, to unravel to really answer that fully, right? Um, if you look at the way networking has always been built for the past 20 years. It's been these monolithic blobs from the OS built with a tightly coupled piece of hardware that was traditionally, you know, bespoke to that vendor. And essentially you got an appliance that you place into your network that you had no control over and no aspect to, to modify. It was just something that you could consume that was produced by that OEM vendor. Uh, if you compare that to what you saw on the compute side, Linux broke that paradigm. It allowed the ability to open up the uh, server to be able to be modified and to be adjusted with that code base to allow them to have the flexibility they needed and ended up creating an enormous amount of uh, innovation that could be driven off of that platform that was built. So that, that is really why you see that on the compute side. Now, if you fast forward, you know, a bunch of years on networking where we finally got around to uh, leveraging Linux on an actual device, it, it was still done in a manner that uh, was still, you know, closed and very bespoke, and the ability you had to get access to that Linux and modify it was still relatively limited. And as we got into the white box world where those items ended up being expanded, the OEM uh, or the, the software providers for that hardware were still following the same legacy model 
to what was being built previously. Meaning, yes, now you are taking a piece of software and putting it back on a piece of hardware, but the constructs of having a single monolithic blob that you couldn't really modify greatly was still the same. You still had the same, hey, we are a separate segment of the infrastructure. We don't need to tie into the other you know, application sets behind it very closely. And if you need that, you need to go build that entire infrastructure, Mr. Operator, yourself. Um, with no insider tools or, or assistance for doing that, and no, you know, community around there to support you, uh, which you have on the on the compute and and storage side. So, and additionally, with all that, you would think that you know, if I separate the hardware and get that commodity hardware at a particular price, that the software should come in, you know, much uh, lower in cost, but it hasn't. And that's the issue, right? That's the. I mean, all the technical things you just mentioned are, are perfectly sound and, and make a whole lot of sense. But the real thing that stops it is, you know, people get into white box thinking they're going to save a ton of money. And what the other disaggregated players to date have tried to show is that, yeah, yeah, eventually you'll save a lot of money with OPEX. But, you know, we're, we're companies and we're growth, you know, scale. So we want to make sure that we don't leave any money on the table and we're going to optimize for CapEx. So that means we're not going to charge you a whole lot in CapEx and we're going to sell this to you, you know, a little bit of a discount what you're used to spending on the total solution. Um, and you'll eventually save this in OPEX because your network is going to be so much easier to run. But how do you measure that? I mean, the measuring of right. I mean, how do you how do you know? It, it's basically like you know trying to to figure out the length of a circle. Well, I mean, you just keep going around and around and around. You never find where you start. You begin. Well, there is an equation for that. But besides that, I mean, <laughs> the thing is though is, is even if you could figure out the opex, right? Even if you, you even if you could figure out that opex will save you a ton of money, the problem is they've made it so divergent from how you do everything else that you've got to go through this ridiculous learning cycle to get there anyway, mm -hmm. right? So you start talking to people and they're like, yeah, 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 it integrates with Linux. Yeah, it's DevOps and all that. But I had to teach DevOps to my networking team or I had to teach just enough networking to my DevOps team yeah. because they're not doing a good job of bridging the two gaps. So they're kind of coming at this from a, from a wrong angle on a couple of different points of view. One, like you said, with the technology, the monolithic versus non-monolithic and all that. Yeah. But the other issue too is is – they're like, uh, okay, so you're going to save some money eventually. You're not going to spend less up front. And by the way, we're not really, we don't really fit in the networking, you know, uh, camp very well. We don't really fit in the DevOps camp very well. So one of them is going to have to put a foot in the other for you to be able to do what you want to do. Yeah, and this is, and this, these two things are, are making people go, well, why bother? Why, why should I even bother stop doing what I can do now? Because you're telling me I'm not really going to save any money. It's going to take me longer to adapt. And both of my teams are going to be unhappy. Yeah, in the end, and you know, considering they're following the same model they were in the past, the gains that you grab from you know opex one, like I said, I don't see how you measure it, and I, you think you have, you know said that pretty well in the last little bit, but you can't even get the ability to to increase the uptime and the you know silo breaking between network and and the the application behind it. You still have these two separate infrastructures that are managed completely differently. With in my view, no insight that how to go and bridge a gap between the two. At the end of the day, I mean, let's be clear, the network is a tool for the application, right? I mean, that's how you can connect these distributed systems together. So that, that's a good segue <clears throat> and a really important point on the application driving the network. So you've both elaborated on the challenges or what's caused networking lag, the other infrastructure elements. What, what's the path forward? What's going to break the technical and the financial paradigm? Uh, you know, be interested to understand where you think the industry should be focusing its attention. 
Sure. So from, you know, and I'll take a, you know, a technical uh, stab at this initially. And so from my point of view is you could take a lot of uh, learnings from what you see in the public cloud. I mean, there's reasons why the public cloud has become extremely popular and why folks want to go in and deploy things or move applications towards that direction. Uh, the abstracted away network, you don't have to worry about the infrastructure that's sitting behind there. You can put your application in a particular location and, you know, know that you only have to worry about the items that you care about. I need to make sure my app can talk to this piece. I don't have to worry about, you know, how to set up the infrastructure sitting behind there and allows me flexibility and pliability from that perspective. Uh, and really, that that is the kind of the concepts that kind of came out and behooved us to the the cloud native computing foundation and the cloud native world, uh, and essentially replicating those same items on prem because you don't you can't do everything in the cloud. It's too expensive. We can see how much Lyft and Pinterest and all the, those recent unicorns just one IPO how much they're spending in the cloud to run their infrastructure, um, and. People are looking at that and going, I can do the same thing with tools that are coming out and doing it on-prem. doesn't mean I'm not going to you know, not use the cloud at all, but I need to find a way to go ahead and manage both. And today, if you look at the, the pieces of the network that exist, they don't behoove themselves to building an infrastructure that you can abstract away for the application. So you have this now, again, this old legacy model that you're trying to make fit into a modern cloud-native universe. It, the, the two don't fit. Uh, you know, and on top of that, we're still trying to charge the same price we did previously. Where in reality, as we start to commoditize these pieces, the price should go down, not go up or stay the same. And that's what we've seen. So I think you need to have some, you know, economic incentives to kind of break those barriers to get people to see what they're able to do when they have something that's a little bit more pliable and flexible and modern. Yeah, it really requires somebody to kind of stand up and say, we're not going to allow everyone in the industry to continue charging the status quo. Right. It's, it's, you know, and for a lack of a better people to say, it's, it's going to be us, right? Like we need to stand up and say, Hey, there's an opportunity here to really, you know, shift the economics of the equation. And, and it's up to us to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's what, you know, that's what we're doing, right? We're, we're, we're at SnapRout. We're doing that. We're saying, look, we recognize that everybody's looking at this grill in the room. I mean, look at all this nonsense with, with discount rates, go ask somebody right now what they spend on network stuff. Nobody knows. I mean, they'll go get a quote from a VAR or something like that, and they'll see, you know, here's what my hardware cost is. Maybe my software cost is broken down, and maybe my support cost is broken down as well. But what's the percentage that I'm getting off of the off of the uh, list price? Everyone's got this, you know, race to the the highest discount of list price, and it's just nonsense. Yeah. What what other parts of your infrastructure you do support in this kind of way? You know, you can't buy server hardware that way. I mean, it's, it's a volume discount for sure, but you don't get like you know some discount off a list price and that's negotiated for, you know, some amount of time for the entire company. Like it doesn't, you don't, you don't, it doesn't make sense. How do you, how do you calculate cogs based on that? Yeah. Like it, it's, it's insane. So, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, I, I think uh, Steve, you had one time where you said, you know, we're the, you know, we're the car max of networking. And I, I don't, I don't particularly uh, hate that uh, analogy. Right. I think it's pretty good. Right. You go into there and it's like, this is what you pay for it. And, and there's a sticker price and you don't haggle. And, and I think there's, you know, a lot of sanity that can be brought to networking if, if people went into it knowing what they were going to pay and they realized this is the software piece, this is how much the software piece costs. I negotiate the hardware separately. And, and I, like you said, I, I can get the real value of disaggregation that way. Yeah. And, and, you know, additionally onto that, like if you don't actually have a, a network operating system that understands containers, understands microservices and are built eating the same dog food that your application folks are using, you're not going to understand the problems and the issues they're facing to, to, you know, 
make a solution that will make sense to them and be able to drive their application to, you know, the business intent it requires. So, you know, the, the final point here is, so we've talked about the challenges out there. We've talked about the path forward. Let's just spend a few minutes talking about SnapRoute. We'll be a little selfish for a second as we kick off this podcast series. Um, why, don't, why, don't you give, why don't you give folks a, a, just a sense in a minute or two about what we're doing to address the specific challenges that you guys have outlined? For sure. I mean, so uh, again, I'll start from the technical angle. Um, I mean, we're building a cloud-native network operating system. And so, so what does that mean? That means that it's Kubernetes-centric, and we've built network applications around that Kubernetes core in pods that can be upgraded, downgraded, uh, deployed, or removed as needed by that particular operator. In fact, if you wanted to add in your uh, a container that you've created for a service that you want to run on that particular white box switch, uh, you can. And since we're leveraging the uh, open mechanisms of Kubernetes, you don't need to learn a new way to manage these pieces. You can just take what's off the shelf for a CRD, you know, a custom resource definition. It will get plugged in into the API, the Kubernetes API that we're running on our white box device. And off you go running. You now have a service that can be exposed directly across the white box item to do all sorts of magnitude of items. Uh, you know, and additionally, since we're doing it that way, we now have a really good understanding and a really well integration point uh, for what the application that's running applications that are running behind there. So you really can build a true service mesh of uh, between your applications with the network involved. You're no longer ignoring that tool that you need. I mean, I like to say that you know, networking is something that everyone needs but nobody wants. Well, we need to get to the point where we can actually understand these pieces to be able to leverage them together where we build stuff as an infrastructure rather than pieces as just, you know, these siloed mechanisms. And I believe here at SnapRow, we're doing that. Yeah, and I, I, the parts that I want to add about are, are specific with, you know, customer engagement and support, right? Like, uh, you know, my, my role is specifically involved with making sure that we provide, you know, great uh, customer experience and customer support and customer success or whatever the, you know, the two word moniker is that's really popular with startups today. <laughs> yeah, one of many. Right, right. You know, there's, it changes every six months, whether it's experience, success or, or whatever. But the, the reality is um, we're really turning support on its head because we know that most of the folks that would be interested in using a cloud native network operating system are not the type of folks that are going to call up TAC and ask him how to design their OSPF network. They're not the folks, like the calls that you and I used to get when we were supporting, you know, the, the catalyst switches way back in the day, like, okay, yeah. I'm going to turn on AutoQS. What does that exactly do? Yeah, how does that spin up my queues? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like, it's right here in the docs yeah. and, and, and go about go about it. But there's this classic customer that we used to get there. And I like to think you and I were this way when we were at Apple, right? There's a classic customer that's like, I'm not going to call you to tell you how to design my network. I'm going to call you because something's broke or I might need an RMA for hardware or I know that I found a bug and I'm going to show you how to recreate it or I'm trying to do something and your documentation sucks. There's nothing in your documentation on we, how to do we this. We couldn't wait for trying to get, you know, a tech guy on the phone, explain the problem we were seeing and then hope that he'd understand it enough to solve it. We needed to go ahead and have the ability to do it ourselves quickly. And if we ran into a problem that was, you know, existing to us, could we open up a tech case and go, dude, this is a bug. This is a problem. Here's what we saw. Tell me what to do to fix it. I want the code that fixes it. I don't care about anything else. And, and you know, and, and of course you say escalate, 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 because I know what I'm talking about and I want to talk to the engineers who, who designed it. Yeah. 
And that's what we're doing at SnapRoute, right? We, we're using Slack you know, to its maximum capacity with putting engineers directly on with folks that are using our product, right? So, uh, and it's been a really cool experience for, for folks so far, right? They, they get on and they're playing with the CLI and they're like, oh, this command doesn't do exactly what I thought it should. So I'm going to ask a question and then the person who responds is the dude who wrote it. And that just blows customers' mind. They're like, wait a second, I'm talking to the guy who, you know, pulled up the, you know, his, uh, the code base and compiled this up and built it and ran it and is improving it and is fixing bugs on it. Um, it's huge. And, and it's, of course, great for, for engineers because it's, it, there's no barriers of entry to getting customer feedback. Sure. So it, it's a two-way win-win situation. And that's what we're doing with support, you know, with our, with our licensing model, the support is included. Um, from a perspective of upgrades and, and bugs and software documentations and things like that, right? Like there, there is no need for us to do an upsell for, you know, basic support because the uh, customers are going to get basic support directly from the engineers who wrote the product. And that's, that's been a huge thing for our, our customers early on. And, and additionally, you know, as we get grow and get larger, I mean, we're going to be you're doing this and it helps us build a community of people that not only understand what we're doing, but are, you know, passionate about solving these problems and now understand what they are because they know that we're in it with them. We're not just going to sell you a product and walk away. We're in it with you to not only help you get your stuff up and running, but to understand how to drive forward to make sure it works the way you need. And at the end, it's going to cost you 50% less than it would if you went somewhere else, because that's, that's what we're bringing to DISAG. That's the huge difference between, you know, what we're doing and uh, what everybody else is doing out there. Yeah. If you, if you look at us as a comparison, 50% savings from legacy vendors, and you're not going to get the same experience that you get with us. That's right. Well, that's great. So uh, good. Well, we had a good little chat here. Um, hopefully this will be... Um, informative to the audience and uh we'll uh we'll let everybody know uh the next in the series of podcasts that we'll be let you know releasing over the coming weeks on some diverse and interesting topics with some exciting guests uh and i want to thank you both for joining today and we'll talk to everybody soon absolutely Steve. take care. pleasure to chat thank you sir appreciate it take care bye bye